This week on Ticket Stubs. Remember that guy from The Office? No, not from The Good Office, from The American Office. Well, he went out and he made a movie, and he put his wife in it too. This week, we're talking about 2018's A Quiet Place. Hello, boys. Hello, boys. How my boys? Not too bad. How are you both going? Doing good. Yeah, yeah, doing good. Had a good day? Yeah. Fully, fully vaxxed now, so good to go. Good to take in the world. Oh, you're fully vaxxed? I'm fully vaxxed. <sighs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm fully vaxxed too. Now we can all swap saliva and open mouth kiss in a big group. <laughs> well, me and Dane haven't stopped doing That's... that, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's how COVID started. Well, um, last year, back when lockdown like eased up a bit, I was playing dodgeball on a on a dodgeball team, and um, you couldn't shake hands. You could only bump elbows. And mm. my friend Blake, he was like, "Oh, Kieran, doesn't it suck like that? You can't shake hands and say good game anymore. You have to bump elbows." And I was like, "Wait, you're not allowed to shake hands." He was like, "No, Kieran, cause of the germs." And I was like, "I just open mouth kissed like ten of those guys." <laughs> and he was like, "No, you didn't." And then I was like, "No, nah, I didn't. I'm kidding. <laughs> Got you. Got you. Just kidding. Ha ha. Ha ha." Well, anyway, <laughs> Ryan. Yes. We're talking about your pick this week. Yes. My movie choice was obviously A Quiet Place um, from 2018, um, which, yeah, uh, it pretty much the story focuses on the Abbott family, which is the wife, Evelyn, husband, Lee, their teenage daughter, Regan, and the two younger sons, Marcus and Bo, as they attempt to live in a world with aliens, um, which have very acute hearing um, and pretty much as the movie's tagline states, if they hear you, they hunt you, which, yeah, works really well mm. for the film. Um, but I just want to know before we start, like, what was your experience with the movie? Have you guys, did you guys manage to see it in theatres? Um, I got to see it in the theatre um, and I, th- I quite enjoyed it the first time I saw it. Um, but I thought it was really funny because everybody in the theatre kind of stopped talking and stopped chewing on their food really loudly and started being quiet along with the characters, which I thought was a bit funny. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't get to watch it for the first time until last year because when it came out, I was living in a very small rural town and the nearest cinema was two hours away and I just didn't think that movie was worth a four-hour round trip. But when I watched it the first time, wasn't super fussed on it. Ryan, you and I discussed this in the past. Like, I was kind Mm. of... I kind of was like a bit of a bitchy boy about having to watch it again but I've come out with a bit more appreciation for it yes me you a bitchy Um, boy I've come out with a bit more appreciation for it this uh this second (laughs) this second viewing yeah well that's good that's good yeah well like um I saw it at the movies and I loved it I yeah just loved the way they work they played with the sound in the movie and the way it plays such a crucial role yeah, I had a great time with it, and I recommended it to everyone because I was like, "Hey, even if you don't really like horror, yeah, it's it's a pretty pretty intense thriller at times. So yeah, it's quite quite easily enjoyable." And my parents watched it, and they really liked it too. So yeah, really liked the movie. I think it's a great time. Lovely. Yeah. Well, uh, my dear friend, shall we get into it? I think yes. so. Take Beautiful. it away, boys. Okay. 
Well, pretty much the story starts, um, it starts on the black screen and it says day 89. And then this kind of opening scene um, is all about the family and they're going to their local store to get some medicine for their son, Marcus, who is sick. Um, but we get a lot of information about the three children characters. Uh, Marcus is sick, uh, Regan is deaf, um, and the youngest son uh, doesn't actually understand the world that he's living in. Like you can see him running around making a lot more noise than everyone else and everyone else in the scene is tiptoeing around. You see the mum Evelyn slowly pick up these pill bottles trying not to make a noise. Uh, whereas the kid is just running around having a great time. But yeah, this whole scene is very tense and just silent. It's so quiet. It's, it's, such, it's such a weird opening for the movie too. But it really throws you into mm. the world. I quite appreciated how um, it would it would often cut from like when it focused on Regan, who is, I suppose, the pr- main protagonist of the of the film. Um, every time it cut to her perspective, it would just be complete and utter silence. There was no ambient sound or anything. Um, mm. So upon my second viewing, I was like, "Yeah, okay." I didn't notice that the first time. I'm starting to appreciate this film a lot more. But then that little kid that was running around and like trying to yank shit off the shelves, you just wanted to fucking just. Shake the shit out of that boy <laughs> and tell him to shut the fuck up. Yeah. yeah. There were some pretty irresponsible parents. Like, how old was that kid? Four? Maybe? Yeah, he's got to be like four. Yeah, four. Yeah. He's got to be like four. He's running around. He doesn't give a fuck. Nah. It he... would be worth grabbing him and being, shut the fuck up, just to <laughs> yell that. <laughs> <laughs> You'd risk getting killed by the monster just so you can scream. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I must say about Stop knocking shit off shelves. Yeah. God damn. I must say about that um that pharmacy or store though. That was the most like well stocked post apocalyptic shop mm. I've ever seen. Like those people must have been terrible at looting. <laughs> Everything you could ever want, like yeah. Yeah. They should have just moved into the chemist. Yeah. They should have. We have to risk going out all the time. Yeah. And why did they have to take the whole family to go get... Why I don't see why that was um, necessary, but... Okay. Very irresponsible parenting. Yeah, you don't no. think about that when you're watching it, but after, you're like, wait, why was the entire family there? That could have been just, like, John Krasinski just running out and, yeah, grabbing the pills or whatever he needed to do. Because, like, in this movie, maybe in this sequel it's a bit different, but we're just talking about this movie, there's nobody, like, running around, like, trying to get them, like... It seems mm. like, apart from being noisy, it seemed like the threat was relatively low, like, apart from that. Like, why'd you have yeah. to bring your whole fucking family, like a herd of <laughs> elephants, holding each other's tails? And the, the youngest the- kid. Just Yeah. Yeah, just leave him and Regan and the sick kid at home. Just be like, you guys stay here. We'll be back in two hours. Yeah. Sit tight. Be quiet, like normal. We later learn, like, a, a little bit down the road of the film, they have little hidey holes in their home. Just be like, okay, kids, climb down in here, shush in my mm. mouths for a bit, we'll, we'll be back. But they decide to go on a fucking school excursion and drag <laughs> everyone and the noisiest kid along. <laughs> One thing I noticed, too, like, because there's a lot of um, indirect storytelling going on, which I think is really cool. Like, we see things mm. through... Um, missing posters and newspaper newspapers, articles. yeah. But my question is, 
How would they be able to print the newspapers and distribute them? Like, wouldn't that have been heaps noisy and then the creatures would have found them and killed them? Like, It's a very good point, yeah. Because you assume day 89. Extra. <laughs> <laughs> Aliens kill people by sound. <laughs> <laughs> they've, got, they've got one of those old tin director's horns just <laughs> shouting that on the soapbox. <laughs> Everyone be quiet! Yeah, and like <laughs> printing presses Sorry. are not quiet either. <laughs> like, chug along. Dumbl- like, Dumbledore like. went in, in Harry Potter and he's like, silence! Like, everybody be quiet! <laughs> 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 yeah. But anyway, pretty much the main, I don't know, I suppose you could say it's the conflict of this first scene is that the youngest son, um, Bo, um, wants this toy rocket that he that he sees on the shelf, um, which he accidentally hits off the shelf, and Regan catches it and saves him. And then, just as they're about to leave, the kid brings the rocket with him, as if to carry it. Um, and there's a very tense moment when the family realise that, yeah, he's holding this toy, and it's still got batteries in it. So then John Krasinski slowly picks it off him and takes the batteries out, and they leave it there. And then the family leave, and Bo and Regan are the last two in the shop, and Regan gives him the rocket, and then Regan leaves him, and then Bo picks up the batteries and takes them with him. So then you kind of get this, yeah, they're on their way home, and they're walking along these paths of sand, which they seem to have laid to all the places they need to go, because it absorbs all of their... So much sand. So much sand. Where did all that sand come from? That's what I want to know. Yeah. A lot of sand to go all the way from your house all the way into town. And they don't just have the sand all the way into town. They have it all over their property too. Like, where'd you get mm. the sand, mate? Yeah, surely it- all the wheelbarrows full of sound would make enough ruckus. One of my... One of the things I noticed straight <laughs> away, so many shots of bare feet, enough that Tarantino would come himself over them. <laughs> and so much sand... <laughs> Yeah, so much sand, wrong. Anakin Skywalker would hate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's coarse and it gets everywhere. <laughs> he would not survive in that world. Oh man, he'd kill a whole oh. bunch of younglings over that that much sand. Oh. <laughs> you should have st- you should have started with this first youngling with the rocket and the batteries. <laughs> anyway, Ryan, carry and on. And the women and the children. <laughs> but pretty much, then the kid. They are about to cross this bri- this bridge, and then it appears their property is kind of on the other side of the bridge. Um, and then just out of the quiet of the world, you hear this kind of, I don't know, like a startup sequence noise come from um, behind the family. And they all turn and see that the youngest kid, Bo, is holding the rocket with the lights going off and the sound coming from there. And then, yeah, you really feel how intense this situation is and how quiet they really have to be because then this... Uh, alien starts coming towards him and starts breaking through the trees and John Krasinski's running towards him trying to save him and the kid just gets absolutely destroyed by this alien uh, just in front of John Krasinski. Uh, like, there is not a piece of that kid left. He's gone. <laughs> just a red <laughs> just, Yeah. He is literally just not in this world anymore. But... <laughs> But it's such a good scene. Like, this whole opening sequence is incredible, but that scene just sets up how dangerous it is in this world, how careful they have to be all the time. 
pretty ballsy move for a movie to kill off a kid in the first 10 minutes to really set the stakes. Yeah. Like, at least it wasn't a dog. Yeah, well. I would have yes. switched it right off if it was a dog. Yeah. I would have been out it of didn't, there. It, it didn't try to John Wick us. No. Mm. Yeah, no John yeah. Wick. Killing but... little kids at the start of a movie, fine. Killing puppies at the start of a movie, not fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no good. This yeah. opening scene, like, it really made me... It, I've got a lot of... Like, in my notes, I've got a lot of questions written down. Why was the youngest at the back of the line, number one? That's just asking for trouble. <laughs> like, why was also, like, her, their deaf daughter, why was she at the back of the line? She can't hear when... Yeah, she can't hear there. when she makes a noise. The, like The two most vulnerable people in, yeah. in the family. So, oh, you two can <laughs> look after each let, other. Like, no worries. Yeah, let the deaf daughter look after a, a four-year-old yeah, kid. Yeah, that's good. hell-bent on making as much noise as possible. And then my other <laughs> big question is how did they figure out how much sound they could make? Like, was it a cheaper by the dozen situation and then all the kids got eaten and that's why, like, oh, there we go. <laughs> oh, we've only got three left. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Just knocking them down like dogs <laughs> yeah. one by one. Like, that's how, how did they work this out? It was like, okay, yeah. yes, walking on sand is good, but I can't talk louder. I can't, I can't talk at all. Yeah, I can't play the bagpipes anymore. Too, too noisy. <laughs> <laughs> we got to throw on my back. <laughs> I can't stand on the roof and clap. <laughs> Those were the days. Am I right, boys? <laughs> I can't wake up and scream at the sunset. No, the sunrise. <laughs> <laughs> Just like I used to do. So. <laughs> Good morning! <laughs> But yeah, I I think this opening scene, like, it's surprising it's not a short film. Mm. It feels like something that would have been a short film that got turned into a feature. Like, it just works so well as a standalone part of the movie. Yeah, it just works so well to setting up the world. You get these little bits of character information thrown in. Um, you get the stakes immediately. And yeah, it just all works so well together. Mm. Yeah, It was really intense and you mm. can feel it along with the characters definitely like it was a good mm. scene when you don't look at all of the little nitty like when you're not nitpicking then it, it's really good <laughs> mm. i think on your first viewing you don't notice it but then mm. yeah if you see it a few times and you're like oh that is weird why are they why are they at the back and what's what's happening over here and yeah you start <laughs> to see a few more holes in it i smell a plot device <laughs> 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 it smells like sand oh. yeah yeah um, and then, yeah, this opening scene is when you first see the score, which, yeah, I think is fantastic. Mm. And it plays really well with the movie's like, use of silence and then bringing in this incredible score as well. It just works really well together. Um, but, yeah, pretty much then there, the kid gets killed. John Krasinski looks um, a bit sad when he gets killed. He's a bit bummed, um, isn't he? Yeah, he's oh, like, oh, dang. Now we've, <laughs> now we've only got two left. We've only got two. got to make another one. <laughs> yeah, god damn it. But then pretty much after that, then it cuts to day 471. Um, so obviously a fair bit later. And then we're reintroduced back into the world um, and seeing kind of the routines that each of the characters lives every day, pretty much. So Lee's main job, who is John Krasinski, is working to fix his daughter's cochlear implant. Evelyn, who is Emily Blunt, is uh, working around the house getting ready for their baby. Because, yes, they are pregnant in this 
How did they even have sex to make a baby? Like, you can't talk above a whisper, but you can slap your bits together. <laughs> and I, like, so... Yeah. yeah but they, so they can make a baby. And then why did she go along with the pregnancy? And I thought that it was, like, normal to, like, sob uncontrollably after sex. So I'm a bit confused. Like, how did they do that quietly? <laughs> Well, I mean, I'll tell you what, Kieran, when I have sex, it is always deathly quiet. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I can, I can, I can understand. Yeah you, yeah, you can get it. You could survive in this world then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with, how, <laughs> with how stocked up that pharmacy was, too, how was she not able to get some plan B? And I feel like... <laughs> After, yeah. like, that toddler got KO'd by an yeah. alien, yeah. like, how did they think <laughs> that it was a good idea? And that give credence to my cheap by the dozen theory, <laughs> yep. because I think they were like, oh, shit, we lost, like, the little one that we were going to, like, chuck as a We distraction. need more lambs for the slaughter. Yeah. Yes, we need, another, babies. we need another noisy thing to distract <laughs> them if they come after us. Just crazy. But then, pretty much, yeah, we just kind of seeing how the characters see what they do every day pretty much and then yeah we we see the scene with lee um which is him down in the the basement where you'll see quite a bit of the movie take place um which i still think has some of the weirdest and silliest um world building exposition that i've ever seen in cinema um just very on the nose yeah just so on the nose like just just literally boys just like it's like John Kaczynski was next to me in the theater, and he's like, um, <laughs> hey. "The aliens, like they're blind, they attack sound, and they have armor." You got that? And I'm like, "Oh yeah, 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 I got it, yeah, I got it, John." You. Are you enjoying the movie? Oh yeah, 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 yeah loving it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I do think my favorite, favorite bit, like it's on this whiteboard. They've got all these notes written on there, and then the Holy Grail at the bottom of it. It just says. What is their weakness in big letters with a question mark all circled like five times? Like, Do you need to write that if you don't know what it is? <laughs> I also like that it says survive on it. Like, yeah. And it's like, well, that's why that kid got fucking killed because he couldn't read yet. <laughs> they wrote it the day after he died. They're like, maybe, <laughs> maybe if we plan to survive. And it is like there's three aliens in the area. So there isn't a swarm, but there is enough to cause like a bit of trouble, I guess. Like, Mm. you're used to like zombie movies, I guess, or, you know, more recent alien movies, like from the alien franchise, where you just overcome with a swarm of aliens. Mm. Um, Mm. And like, forgot to mention before, like, when they were at the pharmacy, there were missing posters everywhere. And so I think there was, like, a gradual takeover and not a massive extinction event, like, which is why mm. they're able to live on their secluded farm, I guess. It do, it's funny, though. Like, Kieran, you've seen the second one because then that yeah. kind of... The opening of the second one kind of disproves that. Yeah, it's really like, strange. <laughs> yeah, and then you're like, how, how did the world get here? Like, yeah. yeah you're makes, like, excuse it, me, you remember that movie you just watched? Well, forget all about that, because we got this thing. This is a sequel. We can do what the hell we want. Part of me 
likes that there is like not an overbearing backstory, how it's all very vague as to how mm. they got there and, and what went down and everything. But then the other part of me is like, oh, this is annoying me. None of this fucking makes sense. Like, same thing, like, you'd imagine everyone would just be running around screaming and carrying on and yeah. knocking shit over. Yeah. yeah. The whole town would have just been, yeah, yeah obliterated. It, yeah, it would Dr. just be Man chaos. Had, everyone turned to dust. Yes. Yeah. I actually kind of liken it to War of the Worlds, the mm. Steven Spielberg. Oh, yeah. Because... That doesn't have a lot of explanation. Things just happen, and you go along for the ride. Yeah. And you get little bits and pieces here and there, but you don't... Except that one was a better movie, so... <laughs> mm. Until about the second half, then that one falls off. I would, yeah, I'd actually love to do an episode on that. Because, that, yeah, that movie's got a very special place in my heart. That's a great movie. I, I love Steven Spielberg movies. Anyway. Yeah. This is not a Steven Spielberg movie. This is not. This is a John Krasinski movie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but pretty much also, um, Lee has a routine where every night, I believe he lights a fire on top of their grain silo, um, to make contact with the survivors that are nearby, on the nearby farms, um, which is pretty cool. Um, I have a question about that. I I take (laughs) umbrage with that. Oh God. I think I do too. They don't have eyeballs, right? But the monsters, the aliens. Yeah. Yeah. They can't see, they can't see shit. We saw on the Mm. whiteboard, they're blind. So they can hear really fucking good. Does that also mean that their sense of smell is also very good? Because in that case, they'd be up that fucking tower, like, straight mm. away with how much shit they're putting in that fire. Yeah, that but stinky. also, no one is... No one's bathing in this film, so you'd think that everyone smells like a fucking... Like, a, like an old scrotum. <laughs> 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 Um, and then, yeah, that, that's all I take umbrage with. Why was why aren't they going up there? They're all stinky mm. and 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 gasoliney. And no. fires make noise too, because they like crackle yeah. and pop when yeah. the wood and, when the wood burns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, but you can't you can't like make any noise at all. But you can burn a fire. Yeah, and then like yeah. in this next scene. Um, which yeah, it like that's I think everyone's biggest problem with the movie is the inconsistencies with the sounds, because this next scene the kids um, sorry they're having dinner as a family and they're eating on leaves because obviously plates would make too much noise, um, and then after that the kids are playing Monopoly on the ground, they're not using Monopoly pieces they're using bits of felt instead of the little metal pieces of Monopoly, which you know they would not make no noise at all really. Mm. No, yeah. and yeah. this is where I take further umbrage because out of all the Monopoly games I've ever played in my life, it's never been silent or pleasant. Like, any Monopoly game, ask anyone, it ends in a shouting match. Someone will yeah, flip a board over, someone will accuse yeah. someone of cheating. You can't play why it would you or friendly, what? for that matter. Why would you put another house on there? Can't you see I'm already struggling? <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you have to buy all the blue ones? I have to pass go. I need to collect $200. I need my money. <laughs> but yeah, also, I take further umbrage with this scene now that I... <laughs> <laughs> we just one each other without umbrage. <laughs> that room was extremely well lit. Why did they have that lantern there? They have electricity. They do have electricity. Like... No, they've got one of they've got one of their kids running on a hamster wheel in the corner. 
<laughs> One of their 15 children. <laughs> that was a practical effect, that fire thing, though. Yeah, Like, I was cool. watching an interview with Kroninsky, and he's like, you know, probably not the best idea to uh, have starting fires next to children. We're like, no, more often. Yeah. Well, more you know, fires next to kids. You ever seen that Jodie Foster movie, Nell, where she, like, grows up in a cabin in the woods and doesn't know how to speak because she's never interacted with the outside world? Is that how they get no. electricity? They just have a whole bunch of, like, basement-dwelling children that <laughs> pump water and stoke fires and... <laughs> well, I didn't say I wouldn't see Nell. I've got no idea what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I don't know what it is either. No, Nell is... So there's a girl in the woods and they they find her in the woods and she's never spoken to another person before. She's been completely isolated for her whole life because her caregiver kept her in a cabin so she has to learn uh, how to speak english and stuff yeah damn but it's jodie foster so she's just magnifying she's just magnetic <laughs> electric on screen she's like 12 i think it was after she did taxi driver so she did taxi driver oh, and damn. She did that yeah yeah right yeah. but yeah pretty much anyway as we were saying um yeah dane touched on it before but then the kids while they're playing monopoly knock over a lamp and yeah there's a quick fire um, and that just, yeah, it's like <laughs> just an ear-shattering, yeah, just like an ear-shattering fire because the whole, like, they've been silent for, like, five minutes in this whole scene and the first thing to make a noise is the fire getting knocked over. Um, just, again, to drill home the fact that it's, um, how, yeah, how important sound is and not making a sound will keep you alive in this world. Um, and then everything is very tense and you think the monster's going to come, uh, but it's just a cheeky raccoon. Jumping off the roof. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, so silly. How yeah. are there still raccoons if it's so hard? Like, raccoons yeah. don't know what the fuck's going on. Like, Yeah, does that mean all birds are dead? <laughs> Surely. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, unless... Like, I, may, I don't know. Birds are pretty... Uh, pretty... Pretty flyy fast. boys. Pretty yeah. speedy fly, <laughs> fly boys. Big fly boys. But yeah. Pretty much um, after that scene, then it is uh, the next day, which is day 472 for the family. Lee and Marcus are going to leave the farm and venture out into the world to go fishing um, and do some other things around, which we're not exactly sure what the other things are. Um, and <laughs> Lee and Regan argue as they go to leave because Regan wants to go with, her, with them because she's actually the oldest child. Um, but Lee wants her to stay with Evelyn. Um, as yes, uh, she is quite pregnant at the moment, and you can feel the tension kind of between Lee and Regan um, about this. Um, but Lee and Marcus do end up leaving to go get fish. It makes perfect sense to to want to leave your deaf daughter there because, like, at least everyone else will hear where the aliens coming from if they make noise or anything like that, or they have a better judgment of the noise that they're making. So, I imagine if yeah, she needed to fart, of... she would have no idea how loud her farts would be. They just be <laughs> yeah, slapping I don't know, out I, there. I just found her uh, her her attitude towards it toward it very very petulant, and that annoyed me. I'm like, you've just mm-hmm. seen a little bro- little brother get you know snatched by an alien, which was your fault because you gave him the batteries. Maybe just listen to your parents and stop thinking that you know what's best. Oh, God, kids I, in movies annoy me. <laughs> I, can, I can speak to this because I once, believe it or not, boys, was a teenage girl. What? <laughs> yeah. Since when? Since. I'm, I'm flabbergasted. Since a while ago. But yeah, so 
I don't know. I feel like I would have been that much of a dipshit when I was her age. I would have been like, what can I go with you? I don't care. <laughs> you know what, Karen? Karen, nothing has changed. <laughs> it's like, it was Bo's fault that he got KO'd by an alien, not man. <laughs> it wasn't my... I didn't make him take the batteries. I just, I just gave him the rocket. Like, you know, I would, I would have been like that for sure. As you were saying, Dad, I think the scene is good i think it's justified because like you kind of understand why lee wants to go with marcus it's because marcus is just literally terrified of the world like he doesn't want to go with lee at all and then when they go and they do their fishing um down at the river lee lets a fish go and it splashes up on shore and yeah marcus almost has a heart attack like he turns and is about to run for his life he's usain bolting it out of there as soon as uh lee lets yeah. go of that fish like he is fucking gone He's um, ready to go. Apart from, you know, he's, yeah, his, da- his dad grabbing him and, um, yeah, letting him know it's yeah. okay. But but then, yeah. The, poor Marcus. <laughs> yeah, poor little kid. He's having a rough time. But, yeah, then kind of from there, you, Lee's like, it's okay to make noise if there's something, like, louder next to you. And then, yeah, Lee takes Marcus up next to a waterfall. And then they have a little bit of a yell. And Marcus is still a bit scared, but then... Yeah, it's all good because the waterfall is absolutely gushing down and making so much noise. So, yeah, he decides to have a yell too and he lets out a bit of that stress from the stressful situation they're in. Uh, If I may add to our tower of umbrage, um, (laughs) that too also also annoying me because it's like you're just picking and choosing rules as you go here. Like... And, I mean, mm. I've sat next to some very loud eaters in my time. And, I mean, <laughs> I've wanted to fucking... I wanted to strangle them. So, to be that quiet at dinner, to use plates... In, uh, sorry, leaves instead of plates. And then, you know, uh, knocking over a glass lamp can turn shit sideways. And then screaming mm. at a waterfall. It's like, who's discovering this noise? That, who's finding out right. these rules? Goes that's back to Kieran's huge, theory. Yeah. That's a huge risk. Yeah. The yeah. risk totally outweighs like <laughs> what you would discover because you go and scream next to stuff. Imagine if he got KO'd by a monster testing out his theory. <laughs> and that's why yeah. I believe there were more children because they mm. had a cheaper by the dozen family and he took <laughs> them all out to the waterfall and made them scream at different increments of volume <laughs> until he figured out how loud he could scream. <laughs> They are living on a farm, so maybe they're quite literally separating the wheat from the chaff, but it's human. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. But it also raises the point, like, when they're screaming at the waterfall, I'm like, okay, yeah, cool, well, wouldn't you live next to the waterfall? Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter if you're living in a shitbox of a house that you build yourself. Like, you're next to the waterfall. You can talk to each other. You can yeah. live a somewhat just... normal life, like... The amount of times they would have gone to the shops, right, as a family, because obviously they do it as a family every <laughs> time. <laughs> we, yeah, we just got to go to Carl's, hang on a sec. Yeah, you could have, like, gone and moved somewhere really, really noisy. Like, they mm. have electricity. That has to let you know, like, okay, they've got electricity. Power stations, I don't know if you've ever been to a power station, but they're very noisy. Obviously, mm. they're so noisy that the creatures stay away from it. Why wouldn't you go for a little wander down the road and find, like, the amount of times you leave that farm, you could have moved house already and gone yeah. somewhere noisy that you could live <laughs> quite comfortably. 
Yeah. I take umbrage. <laughs> I think I need to state again that Just I really like this movie. <laughs> as long as, yeah, it does have a few holes in it, but I, yeah, I do still really like it. Um, you know who has a few holes? A few, you know what else has a few holes in it? Who? Bo. <laughs> he doesn't exist anymore, Kieran. He is. Because he's got a few holes in him. Yeah, he's got more than a few holes in him. But pretty much then we cut back to the farm um, and. Regan uh, decides to venture off with the toy rocket that Bo was holding. So that obviously survived the attack. Um, and she goes to take it to her brother's grave site. Meanwhile, Evelyn is doing chores around the home. Um, <laughs> and one of them is being uh, carrying up a big-ass bag of potatoes up the stairs from the basement, uh, where John does all of his, I don't know, work. working Tinkering. With, uh, he does tinkering. tinkering. Yeah, with a cochlear implant for... Um, Reagan. Another um, thing, where did he get all of that shit from? <laughs> that amount of stuff, did you get it all out of the pharmacy? <laughs> How did they have like 30 ham radios there? Yep, it's good. It's a good question. There, there might have been like an old an old pawn shop in that little town. Mm. Like a cash for gold, but they're just, again, yeah. just trading in their children for ham radios. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about it. And they, they obviously mm. had enough with the amount of things that they discovered they could do in this. Mm. Sorry. Yeah. Continue. Um, but yeah, then this creates a little bit of a interesting moment later on is when she's carrying up this big ass bag of potatoes up the stairs, um, it catches on a nail and as she yanks it, it kind of pulls the nail vertical and like straight up, um, which comes into play for a little bit of a Home Alone moment later on. But then pretty much... I take on <laughs> bridge with this. I feel like Ke- Dane, Dane when, when you edit this, can you add like a ding? Every time I take umbrage, <laughs> the the umbrage tally. Yes. Um, okay. I I'm no architect. I am not a carpenter. Mm. I am just a girl. But <laughs> why is that nail in the middle of the step? Like nails are necessary when you're making a bloody step. So you need some on the sides to hold the steps in place. But that nail was going nowhere at all. Why was it in the middle of the step of all places? Like, come on. I'd be calling question. the Department of Fair Trade about that. <laughs> I'd be leaving a, a scathing Google review about that. With, mm. Ryan, what you just said there, a bit of a Home Alone thing, I think I'd appreciate this movie way more if it had the wet bandits trying to survive this <laughs> alien outbreak. Yes, <laughs> that Joe would be Pesci amazing. And Joe just screaming, <laughs> making all these Joe Pesci sounds. They just turn on the taps everywhere. Coffin. Yeah. <laughs> Macaulay Culkin's really old now, guys. How he's does still, that make I really like Macaulay Culkin. I was going to say, yeah, he's, yeah he's, he's a fun, interesting dude. I like him. He's, he's married to Brenda Song from Disney Channel. Oh, is he? <laughs> yeah. And his brother Kieran Culkin is in the very good HBO series Succession. And so. Fargo. Ah. Oh, there yes, you go. Yes, and Fargo. Yeah, jeez. But we're getting off track, boys. Sorry. Enough sorry, with sorry, the sorry. Umbridge. The side umbridge. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm not done with the umbridge. It's just, <laughs> just there's specific, plenty more time for umbridge. This specific umbridge, we can we can shelf that one. <laughs> but yeah, then pretty much Evelyn spends a day um, upstairs in uh, Bo's room, um, where <laughs> you can kind of see pretty much <laughs> crying. She goes up there in the morning, and then she doesn't come down the stairs till like late afternoon. But yeah, it kind of highlights the fact that everyone still has this death 
like on their shoulders. They're all still carrying it around with them. I mean, it's hard to. Gr- I would imagine it's pretty hard to grieve through sign language. Hmm. And silence. Mm. Yeah. Just in silence. Yeah. They should go to the this... waterfall and grieve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then, pretty much, uh, Lee and Marcus appear to be on their way home, and they have a bit of a run-in with a local person, who. We're not sure exactly what's happened to him. So as they walk past, they both kind of stop in front of him and they see that this guy's killed his wife or something's killed his wife. And he's there and you can see he's like building up to the biggest scream of his life. <laughs> and then they're like, oh shit, we gotta run. And then he's like scrunching his face. Yeah, he's bad. scrunching his face up so hard. And then he's um, gotta get that momentum to let that yell out. Well, <laughs> I think uh, like. Based on what I, what's like happening in this scene, I think it kind of t- is like doing a show don't tell of about the monsters and what they do because th- they don't like the wife's dead. Well, we're assuming that she's his wife. She could be a hooker. We don't know, but <laughs> the wife's dead. <laughs> I suppose it's money in that apocalyptic, yeah, that hey. apocalyptic sex trade. Everybody needs some. You know? I suppose, yeah, I suppose it's never told to us who she is, so <laughs> yeah, she could be, can, could be anyone. I can, I can draw whatever conclusion I please. Um, but yeah, so it kind of tell, it speaks for the fact that the monsters don't attack to eat, they attack to kill whatever the noisiest thing is in the area. So yeah. they're not hunting humans for food, they're just like, you're too fucking noisy and I can't deal with it, so I'm yeah. going to squish ya. And be done with you. But yeah, yeah, that guy in the woods is really, really random. Because yeah, he's just standing there in front of his wife. It just happens to be at the same time that Lee and Marcus like are kind of walking past his place. And then yeah, he builds up to this massive scream and then starts screaming. Lee picks up Marcus and runs and they go and hide behind this tree. And then the monster comes out of nowhere and just absolutely annihilates this guy as well. Just mm. destroys him. Yeah, there would not be much left of him. But yeah, then the monster doesn't actually eat him or anything. It's just there to kill the thing that makes a noise. Mm. Um, but yeah, I really like this this little scene. Even though it doesn't make a lot of sense, I like it. Because you get to see the way the aliens move a lot better. Because mm. they've got really long legs. And they like awkwardly mm. go through trees really quick. Yeah, it looks, it looks really cool. Yeah, it just... Yeah, it's a really cool scene. <laughs> I just really like it because it shows the type of social norms that they're living in in this po- post-apocalyptic world. There's no common courtesy. He doesn't even wait for them to walk past before he lets them <laughs> He just goes, well, my wife got left right goodnighted by the alien boys. Well, I guess I better go too. And then he's, he didn't be like, oh, you know what? You guys, you, you wander on past while I yell. Maybe he was building up his yell and then Lee and Marcus walked past and he's like, oh shit, I can't hold it any longer. And he's like, I gotta let it go. Ah! Oh, I think, I think you're on the money there. I think you got it. But yeah, pretty much then from there, <clears throat> then we cut back to Evelyn and she's just kind of, yeah, coming down the stairs from upstairs in Bo's room. From having um, and she to cry. Have, she's like, I'm <laughs> dehydrated from all that crying. I better go downstairs. <laughs> but as she makes her way downstairs, she starts having contractions. And then she's going to go down into the basement area. Yeah, where John always... Oh, not John, sorry. Where Lee always tinkers. 
I'm not sure why she wants to go down there, but she goes down there anyway. And then that's our Home Alone scene where she stands on this nail and it goes right <laughs> into her foot. And she yet lets really out a small hurt. yelp and drops a picture frame, which smashes. But that yeah. really hurt my foot to see that happen. I felt yeah. that. Mm, yeah. That yeah. Was... I think we all felt it. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, really feel was... it. I think the camera work in that is awesome too. And like oh, it just yeah. kind of follows down the stairs and like you know it's there, but she doesn't know it's there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nasty. It is nasty. I'm going to maintain that Emily Blunt is the best part about the whole movie. Yeah. Oh, agreed. She's I love Emily Blunt. She's incredible. She's, uh, she's yeah, mm. otherworldly. She's so good. And, yeah, big shout-outs to uh, Regan, Melissa Simmons as well. She's just pretty she's pretty, pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. She gets... Who, who is actually deaf in real life? I had not mm. realised until further investigating of mm. this film. Yeah. Which, I yeah. which, you know, props props to um, uh, John Kroninsky from The Office. Have you guys seen Easy in The Office? Who? Props to him for... Um, <laughs> for... Do you mean Steve Carell? For... Is that Steve Carell? For, um... I think you mean Rain Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> Props to him for actually hiring someone who, you know, has the, the disability or mm. the affliction or whichever you want to call it, of actually being deaf rather than someone acting through it. Yeah. Which I think really makes it a very believable performance because she's not pretending yes. and she's lived that mm. experience that you wouldn't be able to relate to if you were a he- hearing person. No, she was great. You know? And I like it, the the way it's used in the, the story as well because obviously this family who already know sign language because they have a deaf daughter would go better in this world than someone who doesn't like no sign language or would have to speak or write notes or something, whereas they can just communicate through sign language, which, well, yeah, obviously gives them advantage in the world. I would communicate through the yes. universal language of dance. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do mine. <laughs> My body is nice. can tell a thousand tales. I'll tell you what. I really can get down and boogie. Kieran, when we catch up next, can you can you tell me a quiet place? Can you do a quiet place in interpretive dance for me? Absolutely. The whole movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> 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 um, so her foot just got stabbed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She stepped yeah. on that big old nail. Uh, picture frame smashes on the ground, um, and that brings an alien towards her location. Just as she starts happen to give birth. And yeah, shit starts to go down, pretty much. Mm. So yeah, Evelyn turns on these red lights that they've got set up in the basement, which illuminate like all along the farm, uh, which is to alert the family members that there's a that there's an alien. She kind of does a little bit of hokey pokey with the, the alien. Lights are, um, not lights, <laughs> starts a kitchen timer. <laughs> um you kind of get this she gets like this little bit of an idea because she sets it and the alien's looking for her and then it hears the sound and it goes over and just jumps its whole body towards the sound and tries to kill Mm. this thing yeah which she kind of keeps in the back of her mind for later on she was like i did this with one of my children once (laughs) (laughs) i got him to go play tambourine in a field and then he got It's such a funny picture too. Just like a kid standing on a field with a tambourine. <laughs> <laughs> and then this alien just comes in. 
and destroyed. She him. just crouched in the bushes <laughs> in the background, just watching and waiting. With a pair of binoculars and like a long list of their kids' names, and she just like scribbles yes. one off and like, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> oh Jesus. And every time every time the alien comes and takes the next kid, she just Sighs and shrugs her shoulders. I'm like, oh well. And the Damn it. Enthusiasm music starts to play. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, pretty much from there, Evelyn makes her way back upstairs and is in the bathtub as she kind of starts giving birth. Um, mm. But just at this time, Lee and Marcus arrive home and they see the red lights, so they know that there's an alien nearby. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you guys think that the red lights are for when she's having a baby or for when an alien arrives? Cause, I found that really confusing, actually. Because I'm not sure. Yeah. Because, like, the way they react, John Krasinski's like, okay, you go light the rockets, the fireworks, because your mum needs you. But then, yeah, like, he goes and gets a shotgun. I don't know. I don't think it's... I guess exactly it would have cool. to mean danger then, because mm-hmm. they go straight into, um, like, DEFCON 1, 5, whichever... The highest one is, but yeah, they're, he's 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 ready for battle like right away. Like you're not gonna yeah. Like there, there would need to be a clear understanding because if she's giving birth, that's what it is. And he kicks down a door with a shotgun. Well, fucking aliens are coming no matter what. Yeah. 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 I suppose. Yeah, but they pretty much yeah they kind of arrive home. Yeah, Lee sends uh, Marcus off to go yeah set off these fireworks because he says oh your mum will need you. Or something, and he runs off to grab a shotgun and look for Evelyn. And then Marcus sets off the fireworks, uh, which draws the monster out of the house. And Evelyn gives birth in a bathtub. But then it cuts to Regan, who is just sitting by um, her brother's gravesite, and hears the fireworks and knows what that means. So she makes her way home as well. And then, I would um, just say she gave birth so fucking fast, like yeah. that baby practically walked out. <laughs> and that yeah, she's a trooper. Cre- that gives credit to my cheap by the dozen theory, because that baby <laughs> torpedoed out of that woman. Yeah, like, this ain't her first rodeo. Yeah, yeah that's it, this ain't her first rodeo. Like my friend had a baby a couple weeks ago. She was in labour for twenty four hours. Emily mm. Blunt's Evelyn, or whatever her fucking name is, her water broke, and she was like, "Cool, I'll just uh, go sort this out then. No problem." <laughs> Give me five minutes, I'll be back. Yeah. Like, they're lucky. Like, what if they didn't have... What if she ended up being in labour for ages and then they didn't have enough fireworks? Like, mm. I'm not a mathematician, but something mm. is a mathematician. <laughs> but yeah, pretty much then, um, Lee finds Evelyn in the shower after she's given birth to their little baby. Um, and they take a, take them into the room under the barn that they've made soundproof. And there was a lot yeah. of blood too. Like she would have not been in a good way after losing that much blood after giving birth to that baby. Yeah, mm. yeah. And, and then she kind of to the quietest baby on the planet too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe is it because do they not activate the baby until they slap it on the ass? Like is that how babies work? Like they're like, all right, we'll turn That's this the on. one on. <laughs> and then it's like, well, if, if that is. If that is the quietest baby they birth, that's going to be the last man standing. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. the other kids are done. And this is also where we finally see the baby coffin in use. Mm. Which, you know, yeah, it's like, it's it's the only way you could have a baby in this world. It's with that thing. 
is it worth it? Like yeah. at the end of the day, yeah. that baby's gonna be so fucking traumatized from living half its life in a box till it learns to be quiet. And as we could see from before, they obviously aren't very good at teaching toddlers how you need to be fucking <laughs> quiet because their four year old got destroyed not long yeah. ago. Like, was this really like? I get, I they're bad parents. They're terrible parents. <laughs> yeah. 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 Lee and Evelyn have a bit of a talk about their dead son and they're a bit sad. But then Lucky Lee heads they've out. Got that mattress above their heads. That's <laughs> yeah. So soundproof. The soundproof mattress. But then Lee kind of goes out to go and find the kids because the plan for the kids is once they set up the fireworks, they stay there um, mm-hmm. until they come and get picked up by yeah. Evelyn or and Lee. Evelyn um, is left asleep after giving birth, mm. which. What if she snored or coughed or farted while she was asleep? What happens if yeah. they have allergies? Like, is this the luckiest family to exist? Because they're all, like, in good health. They don't snore. They do quiet farts. A yep. quiet fart, part two. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Jesus. Um, but pretty much then the kids make their way to the top of that silo. Um, and light and light the fire and kind of wait for Lee to come and get them. Because Lee's walking away, he doesn't see that there's fucking water going everywhere. Mm. So the room Evelyn is in is yeah starting to flood from a broken, uh, we assume water tank or something. It's from when the the alien came down when Evelyn set the timer because it was thrashing around trying to destroy the uh, the alarm and it's just obliterated that room. Which I think so was pipes fun. leaking mm. and flooding. Which I yeah. think was funny because, like, it was so quiet coming into the house. Like, it must have figured out how to use a door or something because it just snuck in there. It was just like, oh, there's an alien in here. And then next <laughs> thing you know, it's like, boom, 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 in the china shop just fucking every, the whole house up. Like, that's really yeah. inconsistent. <laughs> yeah, it's on its best behavior in the house. But if you but make yeah. a noise, that's it. I'm that's a no-no. So not enough from me. I'm gonna smash and kick and punch. Oh, you look out! I'm an angry alien. Oh, I'm so angry. More umbrage to the pile. Mm. Mm. We're gonna set the umbrage on fire later and see if the other people with umbrage light it as well. <laughs> uh, see the nearby umbrage farms on fire. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Um, but yeah, pretty much then the, the, the kids, the two kids are talking about, um, how Regan feels responsible for Marcus's death as well. The whole family kind of has this across them. It's yeah, they're all kind of carrying it on their shoulders, but Lee heads out to go and look for them. Um, meanwhile, Evelyn wakes up and the room she is in is completely flooded and the little baby's in its little coffiny case thing, um, floating in the water. And Lee, uh, sorry, Evelyn picks up the baby as an alien kind of jumps in and they, you kind of learn they can actually swim. And they're very stealthy Which... in the water as well. So. <laughs> Which in the next movie they can't swim and they're yeah. stealthy in the water. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit interesting in the second yeah, one. Yeah, just when you watch the second one, just forget everything <laughs> you've just seen because it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> Then, um, yeah, she kind of picks up the baby and the alien's coming closer and closer, but then she gets to go behind, like, this big stream of water so the alien can't actually hear her or see her anymore. 
That just actually gave me a thought. Did you not install a really nice like water fountain or something in your house? Yeah. So there's always like flowing water. (laughs) Save all of their problems. Like, like, you know, you could put a water mill, like, you know, when you, the water Mm. just constantly churns. Yeah. We just solved all these people's problems. But then um, Marcus falls through the roof of the silo that he's on and that makes a really big noise. And then so the alien runs off to go catch him. Which, yeah, they have, yeah, these really big corn silos, um, mm. yeah, which Marcus falls through the roof of. Regan hears the alien coming, so she gets in the silo as well as the alien jumps into the silo after them. Pretty intense scene where people almost drown in corn. <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was possible <laughs> or not. I but, googled uh, it. It's not physically possible, but, you know. It's movie a, magic. It's movie, movie magic. And it's movie magic. if you just believe. <laughs> But yeah, pretty much the aliens looking around and thrashing around in the, the silo and then it just eventually jumps out and makes a big hole in the wall. Um, a very conveniently a... human-sized hole in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> but then the kids get out and then they are reunited with Lee. Lee Lee gets scratched, doesn't he? That's another thing. That it's sudden, suddenly the there's a big change in the way these monsters are acting and they can't see. Like, big thing. Everybody must remember, they can't see. But for some reason, he's, like, wandering around near the house. And the thing is sitting up on the roof as though it's watching him and waiting That's for him it. to be distracted. Mm. Waited till it, he turns around and isn't facing him and then jumps on him and attacks him. And gotcha. nearly, fa- like, he's very, like, he's not fatally wounded, but he's got some serious damage done to him. And I'm mm. like, okay, first these things are big bumbling Gumby things that run through the trees and... Like, you know, like how a huntsman spider runs away? That's how they run. They're just like, <laughs> and then suddenly they're all sneaky and stealthy and they can wait until you've turned around, even though they can't see anything. Like, mm. I take umbrage. Yeah. Um, More umbrage. Another one. There's another one for the tally. <laughs> Lee, yeah, Lee gets hit, goes down, um, and then the kids run off to the truck and they're hiding in the truck, which is they- they're kind of teased at the start that they kind of play in the truck and they know there's a special routine if they ever get in trouble. Um, but then the alien starts attacking the truck, um, trying to get the kids. And then, yeah, Lee kind of stands up and realises his only solution is to make a noise to save his kids. And then, yeah, Regan and him catch eyes and he signs to her, I love you, I've always loved you. And then lets out another very loud yell, which brings the monster towards him. Him getting absolutely slaughtered in one second. Um, and then the kids take off the handbrake and the truck rolls down the hill towards the house where... Oh, the farmhouse thing where Evelyn is. The weakest little yelp that he does as well. He's like... Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like, Ned Flanders screaming about his purple drapes was more of an effective scream. <laughs> yeah. Like, Old man like... yelling at Cloud. <laughs> yeah, the... The... <laughs> the is right like based on this movie's rules he could have just gone like as if he was called you know when you call a cat over and it's like just done that and it would have come based on this movie's sound rules that was established with the cheaper by the dozen technique that the family developed i know but then i'm always like could you not have like picked up something and thrown it at the shed or thrown it into the corn thing and then mm. the alien would be like oh i'm gonna go get that instead yeah he had an axe in his hand so he could have just thrown that at the wall of the tin shed 
Yeah. And he didn't he didn't even fight back with the axe too. He was just like, I'm ready to take me please. Like he was he didn't he didn't whack him. Mm-hmm. And we know that they have that magical fully stocked pharmacy down the road. They could have fixed him, like mm. but he didn't he didn't put up a fight, he just got got. Maybe he was just yep. he's because just realized he slammed. was tired. He's like I've just I've killed so many newborn children in this life, <laughs> using them as a distraction. <laughs> just I'm done. Take me now. He's like, my suicide attempt at the waterfall a few weeks ago was a failure. <laughs> so now's the time. There's not a waterfall in sight. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Your turn, Dane. Do one. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, it's just like um, Worm Jerry in Rick and Morty lets out this little whipper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what about the, oh, I come and get me for noise. <laughs> but pretty much, yeah, the kids, yeah, Lee sacrifices himself for the kids. He has a little bit of closure with Regan. They've always had that little bit of conflict since their youngest kid died. Um, but the kids rolled the car down the hill and then they meet up with Evelyn. But yeah, one thing we've actually forgot to mention, Regan has an encounter with one of the aliens in the corn field, and you kind of Regan kind of figures out that the aliens have a bit of a problem with her cochlear implant. It seems to ring at a frequency that they dislike. Yeah, which kind of comes back into play a bit more in this um, this final scene, which is uh, the next day, and the family are. Um, down in the basement uh, where Lee does all of his tinkering um, and Regan sees all of the cochlear implants that Lee has tried to make work mm-hmm. and they've got the baby the whole family's down there um, and then yeah, one of the monsters arrives and comes looking for them and then they figure out that they can hold the cochlear implant close to a microphone and it exemplifies the noise and then it almost cripples the alien so what they use to hunt and to live Gives them a kind of like a seizure, almost. Just the, the sonic waves from the implant. Because, yeah, mm. they can they track them through hearing mm. and their their um, armour mm. sort of, like, opens up and sort of jumps off their body a little bit. And it's the... Yeah, it exposes their head. Yeah. Because, like, the frequency kind of makes them open all their flaps that they would probably <laughs> normally flaps. use to listen. Flaps? I don't know. It's kind of <laughs> uh, like... When you're really hungover and the people you live with start making breakfast and it wakes you up <laughs> and you're way too hungover to deal with that shit and you're like, no! <laughs> and you just feel really vulnerable. It's like that. Yeah, so I've, I've, from, from memory, this this first encounter when she finds out that the, the sonic boom kind of thing from her cochlea, that's when they are in the cornfields right before they get stuck in the giant... Um, in the silo, I think it's right before that. So mm. we've we've ever so briefly yeah. skipped over it, but now now we're back to where we were. <laughs> but yes, they're so down in the basement, and then yes, this monster, the alien, is there. Its head's all exposed, and Evelyn shoots it in the head, and it actually kills the monster, which is like the first one that we've seen it get killed. So then. Um, obviously they've just shot the shotgun at it so it's made a lot of noise and then they look on the monitors and they see all of these other aliens that are coming towards them obviously chasing that noise Um, and they get ready to do it again 
Evelyn cocks a shotgun as the swarm kind of comes towards him and the movie cuts to black. And I really like that ending. Yeah, me too. Like, it's good. It, it was really badass, like, and it just cements Evelyn as, like, a really sick character because she just pushed out a fucking baby. like The day before. Korean, yeah. Like a North Korean missile. Just, <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, all right, let's kill some fucking aliens. Yeah, let's, I'm let's ready. Go. Yeah. I don't, I don't care if these kids are in danger. I'm going to kill these aliens. It was a very Let's do it. a very Sarah Connor moment, I felt. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. Big Sarah Connor energy. But yeah, that's that's pretty much a quiet place. It's a good, it's a very brisk 90 minutes. Like, it goes so quick. So much happens as well. Mm. There's heaps of good world building, good little character things going on. Yeah, just just a great time all around, I think. And this, this Do you guys is... have any other positives or negatives? Well, this is our, um, just briefly, our, our third film we've been talking about now, boys. And it goes for 90 minutes. And it's a very small cast, just like the previous two. So, mm. And the best of what the three, you, though. What would you know about being trendy, Dane? I have skinny jeans. I know all about being trendy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you guys have any other points to touch on or even any production stuff? Fun facts for, for my boys. Oh, oh my I love God, a good I love fun, fun facts. facts. If you would like, so really, the first one, starting from the very top, is that the first thirty minutes of the film, John Krasinski actually edited it with no sound, so that he could better relate to the characters. And I really think that paid off. I really think that the first 10, 15 minutes was really tense and mm. really effective. So I think that opening ten, fifteen minutes. Yeah, it's awesome. I think was the best part of the film. Yeah, it's pretty hard to top that. Yeah, 100%. And John Krasinski didn't just write, like, co-write and direct the film. Did you know he also wore the motion capture for the aliens? Did he? Ooh, that's a bit of fun. Yeah, so for the test screenings of the film, like for the first few, they hadn't actually decided on what the monsters were going to look like, so they didn't CGI anything. So audience members actually laughed a lot at the first test screenings because it was just John Krasinski in one of those motion capture suit stocking things. Really? Um, acting out the monster scenes. And <laughs> once they actually put the monsters in, though, when they decided on the design, it was really well received. But yeah, there's a group of people that saw John Krasinski leaping around in a bodysuit. Mm. Um. <laughs> Release the John Krasinski cut, please, of just yeah. John Krasinski <laughs> in his little outfit. <laughs> I would love to see that. Oh, it'd be so good. I hope he commits as much as um, Benedict Cumberbatch did for Smaug. You know oh, how you, yeah. there's that footage He's of him crawling like crawling around. on the ground? Yeah. You know yeah, what? I, hope... I would give up one of my 12 children to see that. <laughs> Yeah, inspir- so then when they actually did decide what the creatures would look like, inspiration was drawn from bog people. So those are like dead bodies that have been mummified in like peat, mossy stuff, like, you know, muddy, sludgy stuff. And then that makes the skin turn all black and gives it like that saggy, leathery look. So that's where they actually said how they settled on what the aliens would look like, which I thought was really interesting as well. They were inspired by cadavers that were like, from a bog with hmm. there was black and sagging and leathery what did you guys think of the final monster design did you like it were you kind of not really much of a muchness for you guys 
I liked them. Yeah, I really like them. I like the way they move. I like the clicking because obviously it's like um, echolocation, like like mm. what bats do, obviously to help them hear like the sounds bouncing off the walls and things like that. I don't fully believe the CGI. I think some of it could be cool with a practical. Because, mm. yeah, especially when the head opens up and like you see the ear, I just, yeah, I don't yeah. think that's the most believable shot. Um, but overall, yeah, I really like them. I think the way they move, yeah, they're an interesting, interesting creature. What about you, Dana? Yeah, I really like their design. Um, I'm probably on the same boat as you with the CGI. Like, I mean, any monster movie can benefit from having a practical effect, or any movie, rather, a practical effect than, than CGI. But yeah, I liked them. I, I, um, I don't know if you guys know this as well, but when I was doing a bit of research about the, uh, the monsters and whatnot, all like the little sound effects and stuff, like when their ears open up and everything, it's celery and lettuce getting cracked together. And when their legs are walking Ooh, around, mm. it's they've actually just gone and got lobster legs and cracked that and stuff like that. And so, what? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And and if you're ready for the for the big one, boys. Um, oh goodness! I know. Another one of their little sound effects was just made from getting a taser and tasering a pile of grapes. You'd have thought. That's a bit clever. Well, there you go. Yeah. Gotta yeah, love that's... the sound boys. They could do anything. Mm. Yeah, clever foley artists. Um, well, shall we jump into reviews? Well, I actually have a few more um, facts for you, boys. Oh, my apologies, Kieran. Continue. I have I have oh. two little fun ones as well. So mm. all the corn for the on the farm was purchased and grown specifically for the film, which I thought. There you go. Pretty groovy. They had corn every day on production. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, corn again? Are you kidding? Um, the first line of normal volume dialogue happens at 38 minutes in the waterfall scene, which I thought, that's a long time for a feature film. That's a long time before somebody actually talks. Yeah, wow, that's crazy, hey. Yeah. Um, I also found a really good... Um, this this one I like because it's a nice little sprinkle of detail so the family name is abbot um and abbot in catholicism is the leader of a monastery and abbots in monasteries like the abbots in the film lead self-sufficient communities which often support themselves through means such as farming just like the family does and some monasteries are also silent and so the members will not wear shoes and will communicate infrequently with spoken language just like the family in the film, which I thought was a really nice little touch very detail. Cool. Hundred yeah. chef kisses the Abbott family, just like the Abbotts in the church. <laughs> that's wild. I can very nice. That's very cool. A fascinating little bit of trivia because obviously I, I guess that wouldn't be too widely broadcast of a bit of trivia for this film. So I don't know. I feel like I have even more appreciation for it now. Mm. Yeah, I quite enjoyed that fact. I love stuff like that. Mm. I like, yeah, I like movies that are different, that try different things that are, yeah, do creative things with the world, just things like that. And that's like, yeah, that's another level of detail. That's awesome. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Well, I've got two fun facts for you guys. Um, The movie only contains 25 lines of voice dialogue, um, although sign language was used throughout. And then originally as well, John Krasinski... Uh, didn't want to subtitle the sign language and just have 
like you should be able to kind of tell what's happening in the scene um, from the actors without the the sign language being subtitled, which is really interesting as well. But then they found in one of the scenes where Regan and um, Lee John Krasinski's character argue, it was quite hard to tell what they were arguing about without any sign language. So <laughs> then they decided the to do. <laughs> you took the last cupcake. I How was dare you? That for later. um and then yeah my last little bit which i think is very interesting it was potentially going to be uh the fourth cloverfield movie which Mm. i don't yeah which i don't know would have been good or bad i love cloverfield one and two don't talk to me about the rest (laughs) 10 cloverfield lane i do not like whatever that one that netflix released but yeah interesting Yeah, but imagine how mangled they would have had to make this world and everything to fit in Cloverfield. Oh, like, it wouldn't have been anywhere near as special if they were like, yeah, let's squeeze it in this bad universe that doesn't make any sense most of the time. Mm. Like, yeah. oh, yeah. So, yeah, good oh. good job on not doing that. Yeah, but you, do you guys have any reviews? Do we got any good reviews I'm, or bad reviews? I'm glad you've asked, right? Shall, shall, I, shall I go with my review, boys? Mate, take um, it away. I've, uh, I've got a good and a bad here ready. I've got a four and a half star up. So, A Quiet Place is the first actually good horror movie in a while alongside Halloween, which I thought was a hugely bold claim, but still. The performances are great and it has a really good <laughs> plot to it. The movie took a different direction in horror and you can really appreciate the silent performances. So then, my one star review... <laughs> The behaviour of the characters is infuriating and the faces of the kids are really annoying. I can't decide which one <laughs> I can't decide which one I hate the most. The extended periods of silence are setups for loud shock noise ambushes. Thoroughly unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> so we we had a yeah, yeah, they're, they're on Rotten Tomatoes, those reviews. But uh they're they're the two I dug up. I love it. <laughs> what about you, CC? You got anything? Yeah, I do. I have my so I have a good one and a bad one, just like Mr. D Money. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one I have is from the father of horror himself, Mr. Stephen King. <gasps> oh my um, goodness! Oh my goodness! He says, "A Quiet Place is an extraordinary piece of work. Terrific acting, but the main thing is the silence and how it makes the camera's eye open wide in a way few movies can manage." And I think that's a wonderful compliment to get. Very much mm. so. That's wild. Oh yeah, from yeah from, from Mr. the King. King. Yeah, yeah. From the King of horror movies, Mr. Mm. Stephen King. That's like yeah, Spielberg damn. praising your dinosaur movie. <laughs> yeah, I was trying I to think. Thought you were going to talk about a different movie then. No, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure. I thought you were going to say something red hot then. No, no, <laughs> that's like Spielberg. <laughs> no, I was just like, hey, I get a dinosaur movie, and then Spielberg walks past, and he's like, "Hey, great T Rex." Like, Good one. Cool, thanks, man. <laughs> I also have a one star review. From Amazon Movies, so the place where you buy DVDs from. I, I thought it would be funny to see what the person who bought, like, physically paid for a DVD copy of this would have to say about this. <laughs> um, it's no surprise that Michael Bay was involved with this travesty. <laughs> this guy has a... <laughs> this guy Savage. has a sore... Yeah, I know. 
This guy has a sordid history with horror movies and remakes. The main problem with most modern horror, and by modern I'm talking the last decade, is that there is zero attention paid to detail. This is why you get so many glaring plot holes. All these filmmakers know a trope, so just string a bunch of them together and you've got yourself a movie like A Quiet Place with no effort made for the world making sense. One star. <laughs> Damn. Or Michael Bay, he just wants to show up in a helicopter and yell at <laughs> I, I didn't even realise he was involved in this movie, so that's just another fun fact from you that's blown my mind. Mm. He, he, um, he... Yeah, he's got a lot of... Yeah, he's got a lot of producing credits on horror films. Like, um, I know, like, cause I'm a big Friday the 13th fan. He produced the, the the one from 2009, the latest remake. But then he also did The New Nightmare on Elm Street from 2010. He did all the Purge movies, Ouija, Quiet Place. Wow. Like, he's got his hand in all those pies. He's uh, he's ruining a he's lot got, of pies. He's got, <laughs> he's got that Transformer money. Yeah, he's got, yeah, got those big Transformer dollars. Yeah. He's not got his finger in a whole bunch of pies. He's got his fucking feet in it. <laughs> <laughs> the worst type of guy to bring for afternoon tea. <laughs> My germs. My germs. Oh, I was really wondering where you were going with that, Kieran. <laughs> Brian, what about you? Um, what reviews have you got, buddy? I've got, yeah, I've got two good ones. So I've got a, sorry, I've got a good one and a bad one. So I've got a two-star one, which just says, maybe go live by the Hoover Dam or something, geez. <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, kind of summarizes some of our ideas. But then I've got a four and a half star. Uh, when the credits rolled, I almost flat out screamed because I was so full of anxiety and anxiety stuck around for another 30 minutes. Anyways, this is how you fucking innovate. Pay attention, because lately, more often than not, horror is being reinvented right in front of our eyes. Both of those are from Letterboxd. Um, and yeah, I like the second girl's review, yeah. I think. It's it's, a, it's an interesting movie. It's a, Yeah, there's not that many like it. Do you guys have any recommendations? Like, if someone liked a certain type of movie, would they like this? Do you guys I, have uh, any? I do have a, a recommendation, um, right? And I know that you and I have both seen it. I would say if you liked this... You would like It Comes at Night with Joel Edgerton. Oh, yes. Uh, yes, yes, yes. A very vague... Everybody should just see that movie anyway. Yeah, very vague, spooky, yes. apocalyptic movie with no explanation, but a good handful of spooks. Oh, yes. Yes. Sign me up for double spooks. <laughs> CSA? I've brought it up before, but if you like War of the Worlds, the ambiguous monsters, action running from shit you'll like this movie and i suppose if you like plot holes both <laughs> movies have a pretty big plot hole so. <laughs> <laughs> look um, when you're right you're right you're right <laughs> um but i thought if you liked uh don't breathe uh which plays a lot with sound just as well as this movie does probably even better great thriller slash action uh slash horror movie just yeah just a great time so if you like don't breathe yeah you will like a quiet place no doubt don't um, don't breathe is yeah. great. And look, yeah. coming coming out of having watched this film a second time where I really didn't like it the first time, mildly enjoyed it this time, it is a lot better than Bird Box. We can all agree on that. We can all agree that, yeah. Bird Box is the lowest of the low. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just feel bad for my girl Sandy B because nah. she's, she's a cool lady. She knew what, what she was, was doing. Blindside. 
Yeah, she knew what she signed up for. Yeah. <laughs> what um, did she call her like, kids in that movie? She called them boy, boy and girl. girl. Boy and girl. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just think out of so you do the blind side. You so you win an Oscar. You can pick any fucking movie you want. Why'd you pick that one? Yeah. Riddle me Sandy, this, Sandy B. Get Sandy B some better roles, everybody. Yeah. But I suppose I come to the last question. Would you guys recommend a quiet place? <laughs> <laughs> You, you just said you liked fun. it. Yeah. If you want yeah. something fun to watch. It's a good popcorn little movie. and I, I think it's a nice little hangover movie. It doesn't require too much thinking because obviously, you know, the characters don't think. Yeah, sure, why not? That's pretty rich coming from you considering you don't like popcorn. Mm, God. I told you that in confidence. Don't even, <laughs> don't even get me started. Don't get me started. It'll be an endless rant. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if if I think if you like, you know, if you're looking for a fun movie to watch, so you're not gonna get too spooked. You're like, mm. oh, I don't like being spooked, but I want to feel like, oh, I'm a bit scared, but I'm okay in the end. Then this is a good. <laughs> I would definitely recommend this movie. I think it's a lot of fun. It's an interesting take on the genre, and yeah, it's it's pretty quick. A lot happens. It's yeah, just a really enjoyable movie. It's good. It's a good popcorn movie, even if you feel um, guilty. Because you're making so much noise when you shovel popcorn into your mouth, but it's a it's a great time. Hundred percent. Well, boys, we've gone all the way around the circle. The boys at a triangle. We've gone all the way around the triangle now, and we're we're back in my corner of the triangle. Oh my god! <laughs> Why was that so hard? I. I I didn't go to school. Do you want to say it again? No, no, leave it. That was fine. Okay. All right. So what what you're getting at, Kieran, is it's your turn to pick another film, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, ma'am. What are we? What have we got up next week, CC? We're gonna watch Underwater with Kristen Stewart. Oh. Okay. See, I don't know the first thing about this movie. Like, I haven't looked up the synopsis or trailers or anything. I'm going in completely blind, so I'm excited. Mm. I'm excited, too. Thanks for watching movies with me, boys. No yeah, Ryan, thanks, thanks for the recommend. I, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it more than I expected the second time around. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm very glad. Um, but I'm currently winning with the best movie choice of the three of us, so I'm going to wear that crown forever. I'm going to um, I'm going to copyright my Achievement by the Dozen theory. <laughs> um, Make sure you get it, yeah. You got it in audio form, get it in writing, and then we'll be right. You heard it here first, boys and ladies, men and non-binary friends. (laughs) Cheaper Mm. doesn't. Alrighty. Well, uh, until next week, we'll do Underwater. Beautiful. It was a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Alright. Thanks, buddies. I love you very much. Bye. 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 Bye.